0: Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host Alex Kessler here with my co-hosts Ben Bateman and Michael Grothy. I lift them up while I What's raise the up? roof. Uh, this is the, the MMCast podcast. We are uh, previously the Master of Modern podcast but also do modern content. Last week we did a whole thing uh, modern content all the time so check that out and then uh, today we're doing deck techs on historic as well as some commander deck decks. We've been brewing some commander content and then we've also been playing a lot of Historic on Arena and me and Michael have some spicy lists that Ben also has experience with. So we're going to talk about those today talk about how maybe you could take them in the modern as well um and yes yeah, thank you uh really quickly to our patrons uh top of the podcast uh you guys make this happen uh if you are interested one cool thing you get for being a patron is the raw feed you get a full generally 10 minutes worth of extra content every week at the very beginning of the episode uh audio only but on the patron um that is about random stuff this week we uh talked about Sync and Backstreet Boys uh, pretty thoroughly. We went through the careers of every member. Really, it could have been its own podcast, uh, breaking down the lives and careers <laughs> of each Backstreet Boy and NSYNC vendor and and the, uh, the new direction as well. Uh, I, one Direction. One, one whoa, direction, whoa. Man. Come on, have some respect for 1D. No. <laughs> um, and so today, and I might be peaking a little bit, so I'm going to turn my mic a little bit down. <laughs> that 1D conversation okay.
1: just got him too excited, Michael. I know, I was He's too uh,
0: that. Was, that I peaked. I peaked. That was at Life's Downhill from Now. Uh, that's, you, you could listen to the moment that my life peaked. If you donate to our patron and uh, check that out and see the Laura feed. Uh, We're trying something new uh, on the YouTube channel. So definitely, if you're an audio subscriber, please check out the YouTube channel. We release video content all the time now. Um, That's the new thing we're doing is uh, these episodes that are... um, normally about like an hour and 30 minutes long to an hour long where uh, Marshall is splitting them up into uh, bite-sized 20-minute a- average chunks and releasing each of those different days. So there's going to be different subject matters throughout the episode, and each of them will be their own thing. For instance, today we're going to be talking about a couple decks. Each of those will be its own episode. Uh, it's something we're trying out. It should be pretty cool. I hope you guys like it. Last week we did it um, with some awesome guests. The week before that was Thanksgiving. The week before that we did our set review for Commander Legends, and we broke that into five different episodes by color. It's a whole new world out there
1: uh trying out new stuff a Excited new fantastic about. point of view and uh when you guys are watching and listening to this if you don't mind leave comments leave comments on these videos about what you think because when you comment when you leave a comment the videos do better and it also lets us know that you like maybe dislike what we're doing but we would rather know than not know so please leave a comment <laughs> hit that thumbs up button yeah yeah if
0: you like it we'll <laughs> like you just automatically i will conscientious like you more if you hit the like button Hi, everyone. Uh, today we're talking about deck lists, and the first one we're going to talk about today is a historic list that I got off of Wizards Top 5 performing deck list of that week list at some point a while back, um, and then have been uh, jamming a bunch of games with and have really, really good success with it. Uh, and um, pretty much the list is exactly the same. There's small differences to the main. I, like, cut two Diggers cages and add two Tormod's crypts because I don't want to waste wild cards on Diggers cages. I don't own any. Cause uh, that's the world we live in. Um, but Tormod's Script is fine. I haven't ran against too many decks that I needed that as a sideboard card. So I might cut that in the long run anyways. Um, but it's really sweet. And basically it is a, um, you lose the game tribal deck. So it has four packs of negation, uh, two glorious ends, one chance for glory, and it's running three getting to the trials using the ability of Gideon to just like stay in play and make it. So you never lose the game with his ultimate or his zero ability. Um, which, for those who don't know, if it's zero. If you were to lose the game, you don't. If you control Gideon, it's an emblem. Create an
2: emblem. It's, yeah.
0: Um, and then Chance for Glory gives you an extra turn. And all your creatures are indestructible, but you lose the game. Glorious End ends the turn, so you can use it as a counterspell. Or you can use it to just end your opponent's turn before they draw a card. Um, and then Pact of Negation is a free counterspell that, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose the game. And they all kind of work really well, and it's a general blue white red control list. So it's playing a bunch of countermagic, Planeswalkers, planeswalkers, gearhawks, wrath of gods, elsbeth of conquer's death, narset's etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Yeah, it's a sweet list here. It's, it's it's interesting. It's um it's funny that we both ended up playing this list separately because I did. I had my own version of this I was playing maybe like a month and a half, 2 months ago. It was before it was before uh, Kaladesh. Um and I when you showed me this list, the big question I had was How come you're only playing three Gideons? Because the whole, like, you lose the game aspect of these cards, they're really tough cards to play, obviously, if you don't have the right setup. They're very dead if your opponent figures out what you're doing. Um, Pactification is great, and that was, like, the whole, for me, that was, like, the big motivator for the deck, right, was because this is a good control card. So if I get to five lands, like, I can just use this. I don't need, but the other ones are, like, kind of a tough sell if you don't have a Gideon, obviously. They're just kind of dead.
0: So, so it's a few things. One, uh, Fire Prophecy and Maze Mind Tomes both let you kind of dig to them, to, to the Gideons you need. So the fact that their redundancy is not the best when they're redundant. Elzabeth, uh Conquers Death also can get them back if you need them. Um, and honestly, it's just they haven't been that much of an issue. Three has seemed pretty pretty mm-hmm. close to enough. You also have Narsets to dig for them. Um, yep. So you have like enough ways to kind of get to them. And... Uh, just being able to play a, a wider selection of cards that do well or something like a shark type tune. There's like maybe an argument that sublime epiphany could be a, a, a fourth Gideon of the trials, but sublime epiphany with torrential Gearhawk is such a like massive beating that it, yeah, it's, it's worth, rest. it's worth kind of making, trying to make that happen. Um, but it, in, in, in testing, I haven't had an issue. I like, all, there's been like maybe one or two games are like, oh man, I wish I like drew a second Gideon cause they killed the first one. But being able to dig. I, honestly, the biggest surprising card from from playing it is, is Maid's Mind Tome. Uh, sweet. That card has been consistently overperforming. The fact that it like... For two mana, you get to just kind of scry train, right? You just keep scrying, which is really good. Um, yeah. Once you start having like mana that you're floating because you want to counter something and they don't play anything into it, you can use it to draw a card. And then they like... When I first read the card, when it was first printed, I thought, oh, you only get four tries on this. And then you just like it goes away. But actually gaining that four life is super relevant. It like gives you just enough to stabilize so that at that point, every counterspell you have locks the game out for you.
2: Uh, I also think that Maze Mind Tome is interesting in decks like this because there is uh, Planeswalker removal. Like that's pretty common now. Uh, like people are playing, you know, Murderous Rider or whatever. Or, eat to extinction or like they just are attacking planeswalker on more removal spells. Uh, but maze Mind tome acts kind of like a planeswalker in that it like draws you cards turn after turn and you have to answer it or else you'll lose. Uh, but, or at least get buried in card advantage, but it's not like a planeswalker in that like your opponent can't attack it. Your opponent can't remove it with cards that are in their main deck. And really if your opponent is going to board an artifact removal against your deck with uh, two artifacts in it, uh, you're fine. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. So, you know, th- there are a lot of, like, non-blue decks that are playing, like, maybe some Artifact Ramp in Historic, like Mind Stones, or sometimes they're, like, the monocolorist decks are playing it and stuff. Yep. And those decks, obviously, are bringing an Artifact Removal, you kill their Maze, Mind Tome, whatever. But in decks like this, where, like, it's the only Artifact in your deck and you're just leaning on it for card advantage, like, your opponent can't really board against it, so it just goes unchecked.
1: It's also interesting, too. So I I only have exclusively played arena in best of one. I like haven't played almost any sideboard best of three traditional. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit of a different ballgame, right? Like you, you want you want your main deck to be like somewhat balanced and then have that like optionality in game two. The way that my list was built is a little bit more like I don't have as many things that I can swap out easily in game two. You but I also you
0: don't get bad. So ma-
1: you don't get bad matchups. So you you don't like like if, if you yeah. have a bad matchup, you lose. So
0: you 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 get one chance to try and win. So every card in your main deck a needs to be specific and work as, against as many opponents as possible. So like timely reinforcements, for instance, is not the best or sweltering suns is maybe not. Well, actually, probably pretty good in in, in, in best of one, but. Because you can always You also have
1: I mean, I mean, the stuff that I see in your list here that that really stands out to me is like, there's just a lot of traditional control cards in here that are really good control cards, you know, like, you're playing obviously planeswalkers to win the game, but you're playing like three ionize and an absorb and you're playing uh, timely, which is a great example of a card that you would obviously want to play in a deck like that. Um, Torrential Gear Hulk, like sublime epiphany, you know, shark typhoon, these are really just super solid control cards. Um, whereas I think the list I was playing feels like it's just a little bit more all in on the concept and it's a little more dependent on getting the Gideon. If I don't get the Gideon, the deck's a lot harder to make work. So I was playing cards to dig for it. Like I was playing board the weatherlight. I also played like three Narsets, um, because I think Narsets the best card to be digging for Gideon in the whole deck. It's like always a good card to play. But then I, instead of you, you've got a Teferi in here. I was playing two copies of, uh, Monoblue Teferi. Oh, the four um, mana one. It also okay. makes
2: sense, it also makes sense uh, for you to be playing more Gideons if your deck is, like, more about Gideon because the the deck that Alex has been playing is pretty much a Jeskai control deck with, like, a few yeah. stinkers in it and then Gideon to make the stinkers into insane cards. What's interesting about Historic uh, is that Pact of Negation is actually kind of just good. Like, it's not as bad as it is in Modern because you're hitting five mana pretty much every game. And, like, you can do kind of the... The current standard thing where you like jam some insane four or five drop, like an Uro or Nissa or Teferi or something, and just defend it with Pact of Negation. Yep. Um, well, yeah, like because like, you're tapping out for your Teferi, and if they try and counter or whatever, you're like, Pact, I don't care. Like, literally, I'll spend 10 mana on this Teferi, whatever.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, gonna win no, the game. I, I totally agree. I mean, I was so Alex, I put my list here in the bottom of the chat if you wanna check it out and see how it compares, but it's basically like, it's basically like. All the cards that are not as good as cards you're playing for the purpose of trying to be cuter. So, like, I'm even playing, like, a single copy of Urza's Ruinous Blast uh, because I play so many Planeswalkers and artifacts in the deck. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, like, it was a total house in some games where I'd wipe the entire board and keep my whole board because they're all legendary. I'm playing two copies of Mox Amber so that I have more things to dig for with Board the Weatherlight. I'm playing so many Planeswalkers. I'm playing I, I played a copy of Aether Spellbomb for a long time. I do have Soul Guide Lantern in here like you said Michael. I play Birth of Melitus because it's again a card that I can hit with board like so it's it's definitely the same concept. The big add for me at the end that pushed the deck into like starting to work finally because I lost a lot with it was the two sphinxes revs that I had. That was the that was the key that was the key card that I like turned it around because I could cycle it relatively early if I needed to. But it also, with all of the like draw discard of the Teferi's and I think I'm playing a single copy of Royal Scions in there. You would just get to a situation where you'd burned all your cards, and you were trying to win with a Gideon, and like end of turn I'll draw seven. Like you have no chance of coming back now. Right, right. I I like really like Platinum Angel in your list. The one of
0: I think that's like super spicy and something that like people forget is available in yeah. historic as like this is a control deck right like I'm planning on casting shark typhoons and torrential gearhawks and sublime epiphanies playing a a, a a platinum angel with a pact of negation backup is like not a non-zero game plan uh, or <laughs> non-zero chance game plan and like that's super spicy, right? That's that's Gideon number five, and is yeah, good on its own it's- access, which I like it. Yeah, yeah, and that's you can
2: really grab cool. It with board the weatherlight, of course. I, mean, I, I sort of hate.
1: hate, I sort of hate board the weatherlight. I have to be honest; it's the card yeah, it's that not I, a very I hate. Good card, <laughs> I hate that the most in this deck. I like have tried a lot of ways to make this deck work, but the problem is. It, the reason your version, I think Alex, works so well is because you are a control deck, so you can still just win by playing good control cards. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is playing a lot of bad cards to enable the engine, and so if you don't get the engine going, it's just a deck of bad cards. Yeah, the, like,
0: the one thing—the one thing I noticed in this that I think like maybe you were trying to take advantage of, but might not actually have been that good. Other than with Teferi Master of Time, it would be really good with with my Teferi, Is Chance for Glory is fine. It like wins you the game if you get it get it to work, but like yeah. for the most part, it's it's just a uh, like like I, I've like that's the card I've most looked at like glorious end just to cut it for a, a third glorious end because like glorious end when it's good is like it's a it's a counterspell plus a discard spell plus time walk that like and you can cast it. What's cool about glorious end too that like I kind of didn't put together when I was first started playing the deck. Is you have until the turn after you cast it to put Gideon into play. So, what you're the, the real game plan is cast Glorious End, countering their spell, then untap, and then play your Gideon. So, you're protecting your Gideon until the turn you need to have it in play. So, yeah. like, both what, what's cool about Pact, and I think this is why the deck gets away with only running three, is both Glorious End and Pact work really well to protect your Gideon. In opposite ends, right? Glorious End allows you to just cast Glorious End, and then you can play Gideon in response to it happening. And Pact of Negation lets you play Gideon and then counter whatever they, you know, were, were going to cast to try and get rid of Gideon. So, like, on both ends, Gideon is can be well-timed to what you're doing. Um, yeah, because...
2: Glorious End can be played as a reactive spell, whereas Chance for Glory is purely proactive, but you're a reactive deck. Or Alex's deck is a reactive deck. Perhaps Chance for Glory makes more sense in Ben's more proactive plan. But I
1: had I had the same experience. I mean, because the funny thing is about a deck like this, so if you have the Gideon down, <laughs> playing it for three is actually not that much better than playing it for five as just time warp. It doesn't actually feel very different. It's It ends up being most of the time kind of the same thing. I'm like getting this super janky three mana uh and or a time walk and if i don't have gideon i just lose like there are also those situations where you're gonna lose and you have to gamble by playing it to just like buy yourself an extra turn in case you maybe are able to dig into something and those turns like really suck because you often lose on those turns um well, and so yeah th- that was the card chance for glory is definitely the weakest card for me i don't, I don't play any glorious ends in mine i played a bunch in the beginning. But it actually, the way you now if you describe it as a counterspell and a discard spell, it makes a lot more sense. It seems like way better. The, the, yeah, because the...
2: you can see what they're gonna do. Because sometimes they're just gonna like play a doofus creature into your Wrath of God, or they're gonna dig, or they're gonna do something you don't care. They're gonna play like a Planeswalker that you can just attack with Gideon or whatever. But if they play something that's gonna hurt you, like they're gonna play something that answers your Gideon, or they're gonna play like some threat that you can't answer, or whatever, you can glorious end them, and you don't have to use it proactively. You can hold up a counterspell, or you can hold up whatever, and then it's like, ah, oh, you know what? I think. This one needs a glorious end or whatever.
1: Well, because correct me if I'm wrong here, but like, one, if you play glorious end when they tap out for hydroid crisis, they don't get anything, right? Correct, they get nothing, they get nothing, yeah. And, and, that's, and, ends. <laughs> and that's like the move. Because, like, one of the big things that I've found with the deck is that they play their hydroid crisis if they're a big ramp deck, and you're like hacked in negation, but you like still get all these cards and all this life. And, and I'm like,
0: I'm like mostly sure that also you exile everything that's on this deck, so you also get Uro.
1: Yeah, that's right yeah, yeah
2: I believe everything on the stack gets sick that's yeah. so
1: much better than what I was doing <laughs> um uh. <laughs> well well so so one thing I
0: do would say about about and this is kind of what's cool about looking different lists and where people come from right like this I didn't I'm not gonna take credit for this right someone else made this did really well with it I found the list and I wish I could remember where I found it because it was just like doom scrolling on Twitter at some point but yeah um what's cool about your list and that's different is like what's cool about Chancellor glory? is there's a way of building the shell that is a Planeswalker tribal shell that Chance for Glory then is insane, right? And you're kind of already doing it with the sagas. Like, sagas and Planeswalkers both, like, really love extra turns. So, like, yep. I would lean more into, like, how many elsbeth Conquers Deaths can I be playing out of this list? And, like, how many different ways or, like, Planeswalkers. The problem is that most of your Planeswalkers don't care in your, in your original list about extra turns, yep. right? Because, like, Ashiok isn't... You're not playing Ashiok. Plus or minus hurt. You're playing, yeah. Or them. Uh, you 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 play Ashiok so that they can sit in play and ruin your opponent's day or exile a graveyard once. Gideon the Trials doesn't care after you minus after you zero him. The his loyalty doesn't matter. Um, Narset, you get two triggers and you're done. Royal Scions is probably your best one after after after. Um, Teferi. I have
1: altered. I have altered Royal Scions in this list a bunch of times, mm-hmm. and it's a really sweet feeling. Like. It, that card's really sweet. That card, I think, is pretty underrated, actually. I, I find I find that people kind of ignore the card. They, like, don't care about it very much. But the I fact that the card... Time. The fact that it digs you to what you want can refill your hand if you get enough turns with it, and also means your Gideon kill plan gets even faster if you don't want to dig. You're just like, now that I have the game locked down, I have these, like, two backup counter spells. I'm just going to dome you for six a turn. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're both
2: pluses too so like if you just have a good hand you can like I'll just get you for two more and eventually you're still going to get to ult I think that five mana Teferi is something that like is worth thinking about for any like even if you're a Planeswalker-y version of this and less counter spells like what Alex is playing where Alex is like a control deck with some Planeswalkers if you were like Planeswalker tribal maybe keeping the as Runus Blast I feel like Teferi plays really well with Chance for Glory or Glorious End because of the untapped two lands and the fact that like Taking an extra turn with Chance for Glory or taking an extra turn with Glorious End, like benefits to Fairy because he ticks up, he draws a card, he gets closer to ultimate, which if you ultimate to ferry, you're winning the game. So um Yeah, I feel like Five Minutes to Fairy works really well in this deck. And another thing I really like about what Alex is doing, which I don't know if this works as well for for like a planeswalker tribal deck, but uh torrential gear hulk, I think, is really cool in the deck because it allows you to cut copies of Glorious End and Chance for Glory, which are like situational. But you still get the same number of that effect, right? Because if you have a glorious end in your graveyard or a chance for glory, which hopefully by the time you're casting trenchial gear Hulk, you've played one at some point. Um, this trenchial gear Hulk can just be another copy, so you get like more copies of your best effect, your key effect, but you don't have to like dedicate slots to a card that is potentially bad.
1: I, than, no, like, I agree. Canadian. When I read the gear Hulk, when I like read the gear Hulk, I was like, oh yeah, this is because the one the, the one thing that my deck would do. And I would notice this time and time again. This is one of the reasons I put in the Platinum Angel. Is it would get the engine going, but it would be super dirty because like without the right threat, or if they have like blockers or like some way for it, you don't close the game out fast enough, and then you're not taking advantage of your extra turns. You're not actually taking advantage of the velocity, which is where I, well your list is better, Alex, because like you have all the counter spells and you have all the like all the ways to actually close out the game. The Gear Hulk, I mean, there's two copies of Gear Hulk in your list, and I think for a reason. Like getting a big threat and also an effect is the point and and that's kind of the i mean gideon is an amazing magic card mm-hmm. it's incredible like how it's built to make a strategy like this work because like you both get the i don't lose and you get a four four but it's such an important card to my list because if i don't have Gideon, the deck doesn't work and i don't have a win condition
0: right right the the one of the cool things about torrential gear like just like two things is the commit strategy as well you can target commit but cast memory off of a gear hulk because yeah. y- it casts wow. the you can like it plays with the instant sorcery.
2: The way aftermath is worded is it's like if you play this from your graveyard, you can cast oh. the aftermath half or something weird like that. That it works with gear hulk.
0: Well, it, it's it's you it's it's gear hulk can target because it's an instant.
1: But then once it's exiled, yeah yeah you, you can target can it because it's an instant.
2: Half. But you can choose to cast the aftermath. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, you
1: know yeah, what yeah. aftermath card I've been like super stoked on, and I find that I like more and more insult injury. That card's real sweet. Like that, like the fact that for, for three mana, you get like a shock effectively. I think you get, it's like a creature and a player. I want to say, no, it's four mana. That's the aftermath.
0: It's two and a red um, damage can't be prevented this turn. If a source you control would deal damage this turn, it deals double that damage instead. And then two and a red injury uh, aftermath cast a spell only from your graveyard. Then exile it injury deals two damage to target creature and two damage to target player or planeswalker.
1: Yeah, it's like a really sweet card. It's really, it's pretty aggressively costed for what it's doing because the front half can just win the game out of nowhere sometimes, uh, and then the back half, if you have enough mana, often can you know be like a total swing, right? Like four points to a planeswalker and four points to a creature. Also, yeah,
2: or if you like just play insult and you have lethal on board, but they have a removal spell or something, and you don't kill them, you, like you're not really down a card. You have a three mana shock in your graveyard, which is not impressive, but it's like.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's been something a, it's probably the aftermath card, I would say that when the set was spoiled and we did our review of it, it's probably the one that I read that I was the most excited about that I've actually been like, the, I mean, I guess I guess claim fame is actually the one but um, this is definitely the card that I read that I was like, this is going to be good that I in the end was like, oh, this was actually good. I was I was correct about this. Um, How do uh, you feel? How, how has um, uh, Bertha Miletus been? Pretty interesting. I think that card's pretty good. I used to think it was kind of garbage, like playing against it. I would always be like, I don't care about this. But that's because I was playing a rogues deck and where everything like had flying and I had counterspells. But in general, I think that card's pretty good. I think the fact like, so one of the great lessons I have learned from you, Alex, over the years is that things early that get you a land, like that just put lands into your hand that have any other effect tend to be pretty good. And I, I hate playing lands and I hate playing expensive things. So I like usually ignore those cards, but historic, obviously, cause it's restrictions. Like there's only certain things available. I, I happened on it because of the board, the weatherlight strategy. And what I realized was like, this deck just needs to hit its land drops. It like needs to, it needs to curve out. It needs to make sure that it can get to five to protect back to in time. It like all those things. And so pl- I think I play three planes in my list. It's like I've been pretty consistently impressed with the card.
0: It's like be- it's 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 better than Wall of Omens 30% of the time and then much worse 70% of the time. Well, like <laughs> Wall of Omens cantrips into a card. 30% of your deck is lands. It's 30% of the time going to draw you a land. This also gains you two life. But then it's one the of the places that I've been most... that you don't draw a land at Wall of Omens is and it's better than that. Right, because like there's a 10% of the time where you want a land that you don't draw a land and there's the 10% of the time. Yeah.
1: I think, I think one of the places I've been the most impressed with it is that the, the mono red deck is just a super annoying deck to play against in historic. I like hate that deck with all my heart. I kind of hate mono red in every format, but historic, especially, I hate it because your velocity to punish them fast enough is usually not really there. And it's really fast. The prowess one, the wizards one, actually, the Rakdos one's really good too, but the prowess one especially is really good. Like that deck is just really fast. So having something that gets you, draws you into a land to make sure you can cast your cards, gets you a zero four blocker and gains you two life pretty good against them it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a pretty pretty solid card against them um, yeah what have you found in playing historic for both of you guys what have you found is like the most essential piece of the format because like what my my big realization is I played a lot of the rogues deck and then this deck and had another couple that I messed around with was that you really need you really really need creature based interaction you you have to be able to not like the goblins deck for instance is just roll you over if if you're not able to interact with them early and there's, there's, I would say there's a handful of decks like that. The elves deck is kind of like that. The goblins deck is kind of like that. Um, Oh got, some, got
0: losing to goblins is extraordinarily frustrating. Like Amuxus is hitting players. Like, okay, this card's done. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of the list that I'm playing is like built in different ways to just like try and stop goblins from killing you, right? It's playing like five board wipes. One of them can be done at three mana. It's playing just like as many counter spells or like glorious ends are all good at stopping goblins from winning. And I think it's like built to just like, how do I chain these into Gear eventually making it so they have tried casting all of their Muxuses and I've countered every single one of them. I mean, because otherwise, sending
1: a is like super epic. Oh yeah, it's, it's real good. Often they're going to. They often are prospecting into it and sacrificing half their stuff they, like, to get it their anyway. stuff.
0: They cast Muxis, you glorious end. They normally do it before their attack step too, so you're like fogging. You're like getting yeah. everything you need. Uh, they normally will put a, you know, the you won't get their land drop. That's like always the the like the yeah. small get where it's like
1: people learn to play spells after their attack step <laughs> Glorious End is in your deck after game one the Goblins deck also is interesting too right because there's a couple different cards that you focus on when that when that deck hits play so moxus is their end game that's what they that's how they want to beat you but there's also uh the snoop who's very good snoop is like a big if they can land a snoop early that you don't deal with they can get way far ahead without even winning with moxus and then prospector is basically prospector snoop are the two key cards early that I think you have to kill? Uh, and, I and, hate
2: when they play Prospector into Snoop and then Cranko's on top of their deck yeah, on yeah. turn two, on turn three or whatever, and I'm like, all right, I guess you're the luckiest and I lose. Cool. It, that was
0: what I was going <laughs> to say. Is that Crank Cranko? I would actually say Cranko is more kill on sight than necessarily Snoop is.
2: I have lost a lot to Krenko. Well, I mean, Krenko like is four mana and it's like clunkier and they don't always play it out on turn four. But but I've lost to Krenko like as much as I've lost to Muxus. Like there's been plenty of games where like my opponent plays Muxus and I counter it and I'm like, ha ha, got him. And they're like, Krenko. And I'm like, oh, I'm out of answers. I lose.
1: No, or- I, that, that that I agree with. The thing I was going to say, and I told you guys this before when I was playing the Rogues deck, but I in the end was main decking two copies of Witch's Vengeance. By the end of the time I was playing the deck... Because it's good. <laughs> it's legitimately good against like half the format. It like wrecks the Goblin deck because you're one turn faster than a Wrath of God. So if you have any interaction, like combined with like Brazen Borrowers, it's pre- actually pretty hard to lose to them. You can sequence it so that like whatever haste thing they have, you can bounce and then you wrath them on your turn. But like even just honestly, Witch's Vengeance just as a hard cast, just a hard cast kill something. Is pretty strong. That card, I think that card's actually. It's funny we did, we we previewed that card and it's like kind of underrated. I think that card's good in, in historic, modern. How 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 would you port this
0: list? Because you've done that before, right? Like what what cards? I know I know like off the top of my head, just like Angels Grace, yeah, is like the main like other Gideon that's like really good. And already there are decks that are playing. You know, uh, 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 ad nauseum decks are like yeah, already yeah, taking advantage Angel's of Angels Grace effects.
1: I mean, you guys remember I played that Delver Pack deck. That's what you're talking about. Uh, I I had a period of time where I actually purchased all the cards for that deck and, like, was playing a version of it with Pact of the Titans and Snapcaster Mages and, like, Angel's Graces. It was, like, really fun. It was a really stupid deck, and it wasn't good enough, but it was a similar concept to this. And the problem with that deck was always that Modern's really fast, so you can't be the tempo version that I wanted to be because resolving Gideon and having the like correct colors to hit all your things and not getting removed or countered or interacted with was so hard to do um early you ended up sort of being this tempo deck that like didn't have enough power to play control but you ultimately like would win the game more often if you hit more land drops and could kind of play control mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean like the that that deck the whole like premise with that deck was i think you could like like how like you had angel's graces in the deck so that you could like Turn two, end of turn, Pact of the Titan, and then like Snapcaster Mage, uh, making like two four fours at the end of turn two. Yeah, that's a snap, getting like ten power into play, and then on upkeep, you would Angel's Grace, so that you didn't lose to the triggers. Yeah, Um, I have I have a Gideon tribal
0: deck that I was messing around with too, and it was like very hard into four Snapcaster Mage, four Pact Negation, four Pact of the Titan, uh, four Angel's Grace, Bolt Path, and then. The fact that you can like the way Gideon's emblem is worded, it works with all Gideon's, right? You don't need Gideon of the trials as long as you have a Gideon in play his emblem works. So I was playing four mana Gideon from Battle for Zendikar and even one Gideon Jura, original Gideon, because like all of them are different versions that kind of like work. And then, yeah, like with Snapcaster Mage, you get a lot of Pact of the Titans into play on turn two and then can Angel's Grace. Immediately after sw- that. I,
1: I mean, the move, probably, honestly, if we're thinking about this deck and we're really trying to make that version of the deck in modern work, is don't play Delver. Play 2-1 two, two Gideon, legendary creature Gideon, and play him on turn one Does and he, then do the thing we just talked about. What? He doesn't count. He flips, though, and he counts. When you flip him, but you have to have... I guess you flip three, him
0: three. with the... Dang. With the so, you play turn so, one, so if you
1: go, if you go, yeah, I mean, if you go turn one, Gideon, turn two, the thing I talked about with with uh, Pact and Snap and Snapcaster Mage, you're you're gonna play uh, Angels Grace and flip him on that turn, um, which like obviously it's a little janky, but the fact I do think that if you're trying to go with a more go wide strategy with this. Um, And you definitely want to have a Gideon in play and you want to be aggressive. He's probably the better card. You're probably supposed to play him, not Delver. You're probably supposed to like invest in trying to flip him as early as you can. I almost
0: I almost say like, don't play Delver. You're playing you're playing eight copies of Gideon with this and Angel's Grace. But like I would go deep on glorious, like glorious. And I don't think existed in magic when I originally brewed this deck. I like found it on my my like decked app saved folders brew list that I definitely made on airplane at some point. But like. (laughs) Going, going the glorious end around and not even trying to do the, like... like Because a f- free four fours that they have to deal with while you're countering their spells or just have, like, really good stuff up is going to be so strong against them that I almost think you don't need to, like, lean into a 2-1... The, the problem with Kithian is, like, it costs mana to flip him. Right? It doesn't just trigger. You have to... No, like, no.
1: It, it, you can make him indestructible for 3. He flips if you attack with 3. He flips. Oh, okay. Yeah, he flips
0: okay.
2: for free. Um, you just have to have creatures.
1: The the
0: the the other issue is that so the timing. So like on turn one you have Kithian on turn two you do this thing or you attack with two four fours you flip him but then on that next turn you still have the Angel's grace because that Gideon isn't the one that
1: gives you the emblem. Yes, you, right. That's what I was just realizing after I suggested that is actually having that Gideon flip is irrelevant if you don't have the other Gideon. Um which yeah I, so I, I think that's one build of the deck is the thing we're talking about, which is a cool idea if you want to be tempo-y if you want to try to build exactly the deck we're talking about which is like a control deck that's taking advantage of the "don't lose the game" things. Mm-hmm. It's probably honestly not that far from what you have here, Alex. There's there's a few things that I think are different. Um, like I think some of your interactions probably a little different. But the interesting thing about this is that some of the cards take like Fire Prophecy, for instance. Fire Prophecy is like a good card for more than one, re- one reason, and there is not like a good well, I comp would, for Fire Prophecy. I, I, I would, would play Lightning uh, Bolt over Fire Prophecy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, for sure. But I guess what I mean is like that. I think, I think like you're like, not just playing fire prophecy to deal with creatures. you're playing fire prophecy because it deals with creatures and it digs you into what you need. So sh- like sure. if, you're, if you're not playing that card, then you need to figure out probably more efficient ways to dig. I do think you're probably playing four copies of getting the trials in the modern version because it's gonna get removed it way more often. Your counter spell suite's better cheaper
0: yeah like you Um, you you can cut down on lands you can bring by by like bringing in serum visions right that helps you get rid of the fire prophecies you also like you instead of torrential gearhawk and the gearhawk package you go to snapcaster mage you also get access to um like jace the mind sculptor and other things that let you dig maybe over maze Mind's tomb like i think you can like upgrade everything downward like everything kind of becomes cheaper to a slightly better version of a card um and then but yeah, I think I think you're right from the point like most of the cards don't change that much. I think like f- 3 to 4 Gideon's, Narset's, Glorious Ends, Pact Negations, Teferi, Wrath of God, all, like, Wrath of god maybe goes away. You just don't need it in modern, right? Like the it's not like you don't need board wipes as much as you do. You you if anything you just want more interaction and counterspells, but you get Path, you get Lightning Bolt, you get uh 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 not deprive, but the the delve one that my brain is Logic turned, Logic yeah, Um yeah. I think I think there's a lot of negate, you know, a pact of not pact of negation, the uh, uh, force of negation,
1: force of, negation. Yeah, force of force of negation. You get you can play remand if you want to, you know, if you want to do that instead of uh, like them having cards is not that important if you are able to like right. shut them down. So like tempoing your way into into it. But yeah, I don't think it's that different. I don't think it's that different at all.
0: Thank you, uh, just a middle ad, And uh, thank you, uh, everyone, for watching. Uh, like and subscribe. If this is a video version, there will be one uh, tomorrow. We're doing these now uh, every day of the week. We're, we're splitting up into multiple videos a week. So thank you so much for watching. Next week, we're going to be going over a deck that Michael's been playing in historic. Um, in the meantime, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Kes Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media.
2: I'm at Dudardudardd.
0: Also, make sure to check out every Monday. We are live streaming both on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, Commander Games, Uh I think tonight, if this comes out on Monday, we have Zebex and a mystery guest that I don't know yet, but uh, it'll be really fun. Uh, definitely check that out. And then, uh, yeah, good good times. Now, uh, also thank you to our patrons. Again, uh, you're the best.
1: Yeah, Thank you so much.
0: Welcome back or back to the episode. There was probably a commercial break there if you're watching this in audio format. If not, this is a new video. I am your host, Alex Kessler. Today, we are talking about we're doing deck techs we're doing deck techs all week uh we just did a whole deck tech on a gideon tribal deck uh out of historic and talked about how it could fit in a modern and now we're going over a new deck uh michael has been jamming this in historic it's been really fun watching him live uh through discord i guess not through twitch just discord streaming uh, <laughs> uh tell us tell us about the deck
2: uh, so it is a blue-black Paradox Engine deck. I got this list from crokies on Twitter, actually. Uh, and I had been looking for a Paradox Engine deck, and I looked around the internet a bit uh, in Historic, because I think a Paradox Engine is a super strong combo piece, Band and Commander for a reason. Uh, but I also think it's like not quite good enough for Modern, not quite good enough... Uh, Maybe this is good enough for Pioneer, actually. I'll be honest, I haven't played a lot of Pioneer uh, since COVID hit immediately after it was introduced as a format and I didn't really even get a deck together before uh, it was too late. So (laughs) Uh, actually, I found the remnants of my Pioneer deck that I had started to build and Treasure Cruise was still in it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) I wish (laughs) <laughs> do yeah, we, I mean, do we it wish? was just like I'm like putting together cards. I'm like converting my modern Phoenix list where like Faithful Suiting just got banned. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do Pioneer. I'm going to get these uh, <laughs> the Hour of Devastation cards, Strategic Planning and Treasure Cruise and I'm going to play some Phoenix again and then COVID and then yeah, Treasure Cruise got banned and now, now gonna... we're here. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, maybe there's a version of this that could work in Pioneer, but I do think Paradox Engine is a powerful card uh, and Historic is not like a, it's like the weakest format you can play Paradox Engine in, right? So uh, I wanted, I looked around, and this was the list I liked the most, uh, is this croquis list. So you play a bunch of eggs. You play three Aether Spellbomb, four Chromatic Sphere, and four Mindstone Stone are your eggs. You also have uh, two Mox Amber, which are an egg in that they cost zero, but not an egg because they don't draw you a card. Uh, and then you play a couple more Mana Rocks, as well as the Mind Stones and the Ambers. You play four Guardian Idol, four Power Stone Shard, uh, as well as Renowned Weaponsmith, who taps for two mana, but you can only use it to cast an artifact spell or activate the ability of artifacts. But it's two mana and it taps for two. So it's like, it's pretty incredible if you get to untap with it. But it is a creature very vulnerable to just getting killed. It's
0: um, kind of your like goblin Electromancer, where it's like, if I untap with this, I'm probably going to be very far ahead. But... It's well, yes, on sight and sight but
2: electromancer have... does do something the turn you play it yeah this guy yeah, yeah. not so much but...
1: he's one of yeah weaponsmith is one of the five versions they've printed now of the mini mini architect going all the way back to dark steel when the original one came out and then there's been this Vidalcan one The
2: dalkin engineer
1: yeah there's him and there's this one and i think there's one at least gives all of them convoke of them. right yeah there's two i think there's four total but anyway keep sorry i keep going
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy I do like a little better than Vidalcan Engineer. Vidalcan Engineer taps for colored mana, but like, how often do you really need colored mana yeah. for your artifacts? This guy's a 1-3. Uh, it also has the ability to, you can pay a blue and tap it to um, search your library for a Heart Piercer Bow or a Dragon Vile of Dragonfire. I'm not playing either of those cards in my deck, but sometimes shuffling your library is important. Uh, so <laughs> that's funny. That's really cute. because uh, you're <laughs> you can playing just fail to find
0: you're playing Mystic Forge, right? So you can use it to I am playing Mystic uh, Forge. To, I'm getting to... to it. I'm getting to it. We're slow rolling <laughs>
2: the deck tech for the podcast listeners. Okay. So we've got the mana rocks Guardian Idol, four Guardian Idol, four Pirestone Shard, and four renowned weaponsmith, who is not an artifact, but he taps for a lot of mana for his mana cost. Um Guardian Idol and Renowned Weaponsmith also attack planeswalkers, which is nice. There's been times where like I just need to Get it to ferry off the board. Um, uh, then I'm also playing four Emery Lurker of the Lock to recur my eggs. Uh, and she is also a combo piece with Paradox Engine. Because if you have Emery, an egg, I'm going to use Chromatic Sphere as the example because it's the best egg for this. One Mana Rock and one Paradox Engine, uh, you can draw your entire deck. Because, yeah. yeah, it's pretty strong. You have to untap with Emery. That's the hard part because she's also a creature very vulnerable to just getting killed. Um but you can sacrifice the chromatic sphere to make a chromatic sphere to make a mana, tap Emery to cast the chromatic sphere, and then you have a, a mana rock. So you tap the mana rock, then you cast the chromatic star, untap the mana rock. So now you have one mana, you use to crack the chromatic sphere, add a blue, then you tap your mana rock again, cast the chromatic sphere with Emery, because each time emory is untapping as well as your one mana rock. Right, so you're right, just right. netting zero mana each time because chromatic star adds one. And then assuming that's all the mana you have, you don't have other mana rocks, uh, once you draw enough of your deck, you'll get a Mox Amber, and then now you're netting one mana every time, because then you have two mana rocks that are tapping, but you're only spending one net. Uh, you can do the same thing with a Mind Stone, but you need a lot more mana rocks, because you have to be spending net three mana every time, sure. and you can do it with an Aether Bomb, but it costs two Every time, so Chromatic Sphere is the best because in order to cast Sac Recast, it only is net cost net one.
0: There's one, two, or three mana, and any of the hmm. the different level of extra mana you have, the
2: better, more options you have. Right. It's just it's just redundancy. So so that's the first combo, uh, pretty simple, but it does involve Emery, who's very uh, fragile. But a lot of the time, your opponent will be like, Ah, oh, yes, my opponent is infinite. I scoop. The other combo <laughs> is with Mystic Forge. Uh, which there is only one in the main deck. I have thought about adding another one, but I think the list is really tight, and I haven't gotten... I've played it enough to, like, know most of the lines. I'm not going to claim to know all the lines, because there's obviously a lot going on with this deck, but I know most of the lines, and I, like, him pretty good with it. I haven't quite gotten to the point where I, like figure out what I want to change about it. But I may add a second Mystic Forge. But Mystic Forge is another combo piece. But what's nice is that it is not a vulnerable creature, and you do not have to untap with it. You can go off the turn you play it, theoretically, um, assuming you have enough mana. So Mystic Forge allows you to look the top card of your library at any time. You may cast artifacts and colorless spells from the top of your library. You can tap it and pay one life to exile the top card of your library. So what you can do with this is once you have Paradox Engine and Mystic Forge... I mean, it, it's a card advantage engine, first off. So you can just play it yep. out on turn four and start casting spells from the top of your deck and effectively drawing cards. Which is why which is why the Weaponsmith earlier is good, because you can use it to... You if reshuffle. you have a
0: land on top that you can't play or a colored spell that you can't play, you can use Weaponsmith to shuffle your deck. and
2: Right, you can use re-spits. Weaponsmith to shuffle your deck. Blue mana is at a bit of a premium, but sometimes you gotta. Um... The Weapon Smith is also good. I guess the the two mana creature that adds two means you can just turn three Paradox Engine um, if you think your opponent doesn't have a way to remove it. Like in a lot of game ones where I'm pretty sure my opponent doesn't have Artifact Removal, I can just jam turn three Paradox Engine and then turn four, do some nasty stuff with Renowned Weaponsmith. Smith Heck. mana. Um, so the Mystic Forge, yeah, it's a card advantage engine, but it also allows you to combo with Paradox Engine, although it's a, a, a little bit looser combo because you can fizzle. But what you're doing is you have Mana Rocks in play. You're just playing a card off the top, like floating all your mana, playing a card off the top, untapping, playing another card off the top, floating all your mana, like, and you're like netting mana each time, hopefully, because you have enough Mana Rocks. Like You have a ton of cheap artifacts in your deck that allow you to net mana. Um, and then you, same thing with Emery. You're like pretty much playing all the cards in your deck, making a ton of mana. The trick is that you can hit lands on top or you can hit colored spells on top like the Weaponsmith or the Emery. Um, and what you have to do then is you can tap the Mystic Forge to exile a top card of your library. And if you do that, uh, it's tapped, but now you can play a card and the Paradox Engine will untap your Mystic Forge. So you get another chance. Mm. So each time you play a card, you get another chance to get rid of the top. Now, sometimes you have, you like exile the top. It's a- it was a land or a colored spell. You know, you exile your Island. There's an Emery on top. Now you're, mystic forge is tapped you got nothing to cast in your hand but you can draw cards with a bunch of stuff in the decks so you can crack a mind stone or you can crack a chromatic sphere um to hopefully clear the top you can shuffle with a renowned Weaponsmith, for example who will untap uh eventually and you can use them again so you have a lot of ways to kind of reset the top card to try and like continue comboing but you can fizzle if you like get unlucky and there's like a bunch of air at the top of your deck well how do you win so you win using our good friend Karn the Great Creator, which you're playing four yeah. of. Uh, Karn you're the Great Creator can find the Mystic Forge. I hope Marshall edits Karn on my face while I'm doing it.
1: <laughs> oh, I see what's in the sideboard now. So I get you.
2: So you can you can uh, you can get Paradox Engine, and you can get Mystic Forge from your sideboard to go off. Then you also have like random you know, sideboard cards that you can get main deck. You have Tormod's Crypt, Ratchet Bomb, Sorceress Spyglass. Glass. But you also have Aetherflux Reservoir, which is typically how you win. Uh, it's Cannon. just a Karn, Karn fetchable... Um, Cannon. Yeah, it's just a Karn <laughs> fetchable win condition that, like, once you've generated all this mana and played all these spells, you just continue on for, you know, three more spells and gain enough... Do you enough have ever win attacking
1: them. with Guardian Idol?
2: I have not won <laughs> attacking with Guardian Idol, but I have won attacking with Metalwork Colossus.
1: Ah, that which makes is sense.
2: in the sideboard as a as a little you know three mana 10 10 or whatever <laughs> back up
1: in case you try to reservoir and they figure they counter it or something like yeah the, the... sometimes sometimes
2: you'll end up with like power stone shards like i think the game where i won with claus said like two power stone shards and a guardian idol or something and my opponent is like playing creatures they've like answered a bunch of my threats i'm kind of out of gas i don't have a paradox engine or a mystic forge but i draw a karn and i just fetch metalwork colossus and play it and they like chump it for a couple turns and then die (laughs) because they were like
0: this and then it's just a 10 10
2: Right. Yeah, like I, I couldn't assemble my combo. I had no combo pieces. They had like spent all their resources removing all my threats, and then I just like played metal classes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, just so so uh, the last cards in the main deck and then I, the go through the sideboard really quick. Well, I guess well let's go through the sideboard now because they're all carnage kind of t- attached. So you have Tormod's Crypt, um, because Graft Gage is bad for you, and Tormod's Crypt it is, is bad, it is, is bad for me. Yeah, is uh is is the little I went to Crypt that could.
2: I went to both cast spells from my graveyard and from my library. So Grafdigger's Cage is, is getting me on both sides.
0: Uh, you have three Aether Gusts and three Negates, which are kind of really your main sideboard sideboard. Those These, are
2: actual sideboard yeah, cards. Yeah, you're bringing yeah. those in.
0: Uh, you have Ratchet Bomb, Sorcerer's Spyglass, Aetherflux Reservoir, m- another Mystic Forge, uh, a Forsaken Monument, which is the new card, right? It makes everything. Yeah,
1: it's the five man. I guess all your creatures big and it triggers when you do stuff.
2: Yes, uh, <laughs> I am not actually sold on Forsaken Monument, and I may cut it for a Maze Mind Tome. Okay. Uh, it was in the Croquis list, and I have fetched it a couple times, and I'm pretty sure it's like been correct. But it's kind of a, a a weird one, in that it doesn't contribute to your main game plan, and it doesn't also doesn't really act as like a sideboard card or a win condition at all. It just kind of like makes you do everything a little bit
1: better. It's played in all the. It's played it's in like all like like the colorless. It's win, win colorless. more, right?
2: Yeah, it struck me as a little bit win more.
0: Like, what about, it, like, uh, well, let me let me finish the last cards before we get into maybes. But, sorry, fin- finish with the Forsaken Monument.
2: Yeah, yeah, Forsaken Monument, Paradox Engine, which you're fetching to combo, Meteor Golem, which just answers whatever, and then a Metalwork Colossus. Uh, and then the last cards in the main deck are three Paradox Engine, three Extinction Event, uh, which Extinction mm-hmm. Event is just, like, the interaction that crokies was playing main deck because of meta reasons. I've liked it because... Uh, it does just single handedly be creature decks and like you're going to have a tough time game one against control decks a lot of the time anyway so you might as well just like kind of head your bet. you gotta you gotta pick one of those matchups that you want to win in the main and i think extinction event is fine I, I haven't i haven't wanted to cut it although you could cut black it's the only black card in the 75 but uh i've liked it Relevant lands, you're mostly just playing a blue-black mana base, but you're playing uh, one Blast Zone, which is important for killing random stuff. It's, like, good against the Ares deck. uh, I use it to kill Diggers' Cages a lot post-board. Three Buried Ruin, which just allow you to, like, get back combo pieces. Or it can you can use it to reset the top of your library if you're desperate because you can, like, get back a Chromatic Sphere or whatever. Inventor's Fair also searches for combo pieces and resets the top card of your library and gains life, which is relevant. And then four Radiant Fountain, uh, just because your colored requirements are very slim and it's a colorless land that keeps you alive.
0: Yep, you uh, are not doing a lot to stop being punched in the face. And this stops a little bit of that punching in the face. Yep. <laughs> Plus, um,
2: like Mystic Forge does pay life like when you're activating it and untapping it and activating it again. So you want to have a healthy life total when you're comboing because there's been times where I'm like at five, I assemble Mystic Forge Paradox Engine, I play the top card of my library a couple times and I'm like, well, can't pay life anymore, guess I'm dead. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> card- Mystic Forge, what, you have to pay one life to, ta- to tap it yeah, or something? Yeah, you tap, pay one life, exile top card of your library. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
0: And now, and now so what are some of the cards like like, the one I'm, that's coming to mind the, m- immediately is the. Um, as just like good answers to what people are doing. You basically, like, if Forsaken Monument is a card you want to cut because it's just kind of more win more than it is. It's proceeding to a game plan that by the time you get, are able to get it, you should be able to do with other cards you fetch for it, it feels like. Right. right?
2: So, like. like if you can reasonably pay five for Forsaken Monument and it's actually doing something for you because you have, like. A bunch of spells to cast to gain life or a bunch of mana rocks in play to make mana like you probably just want something to either spend that mana on that's proactive or you want something to like help you cast your spells that's not i don't know seems weird
0: (laughs) yeah what about uh the monument i'm trying to remember the actual name not forsaken monument it's not monument it's the your spells cost your opponent's spells cost two more and you and lose a life god pharaoh statue that cards
1: messed Meh. me up a couple times. Nah, not because like probably, what you it's probably playable. You. Okay. So so there's a so there's a version so there's a version of a deck that's played a lot in historic, and I'm sure you guys have played against it. That's that's like the colorless planeswalker deck. It plays a lot of these cards. it Plays Maze Mind Tome. It plays Guardian Idol. It plays Karn. It definitely plays God Pharaoh's Statue. Um, and Ugin. It, Ugin. And I played against that deck a lot yeah Yeah. it's trying to go they they use and they
2: use forsaken monument to cast ulamog because like all their lands are colorless so it basically like doubles their mana production and does everything else that it does so they can just go forsaken monument into ulamog super easy
1: so it seems like this deck is just it's it's taken out all of the chunk and it's just a full-on combo version of, of a lot of the same a lot of the same feeling that that deck has it's just this is the control combo version and that's the like that's kind of like Tron, I guess, in Historic on some level.
2: Yeah, that deck is very Tron-like, and my deck is a lot more like a... I mean, it's a combo deck. It's a straight-up <laughs> straight <up laughs> combo deck. There's it's, nothing yeah, controlling about it. I just play three cards main deck to interact with my opponent, although Aether Bomb does interact, but it's also just an efficient egg. Um, and then I will sometimes board up to six cards to interact. Uh, sometimes I'll board in... Against Sultai, I board in three Gust and three Negate. And against, like, aggro decks that are playing red and or green, I'll board in the three Gusts and keep in the three Extinction event.
0: So so if you were to port this deck into Modern, what, what are some of the changes you would think about making to get started?
2: I was not super ready for this question, so I was thinking about it while Ben was doing his deck deck a little bit. Uh, I think, like, this looks like it wants to be an Urza deck, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. First and foremost, uh, Chromatic Star is another good one. You could, like, go up on that egg because it's so good with Emery and Paradox Engine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's good cards to help you get Paradox Engine to play. And there's also definitely something better than Power Stone Shard. Like, either you would play Talisman of Dominance or, like, a stronger three-mana rock. You lose Guardian Idol as well. Yeah, but there's tons of two mana rocks. You can play Talisman. You can yeah, play yeah. Cold Steel talismans. Heart. Right, right, right. Or whatever. Guardian Idol entering tapped is actually pretty awkward because in early turns, a lot of time on turn turn two, you go like Weaponsmith and they kill it. In turn three, you're like Mindstone, Mindstone, mm. or Mindstone Guardian Idol, and sometimes you're like Guardian Idol tapped.
1: I feel like <laughs> you would play. I feel like you would play the Tron lands in this deck, uh, just because because it's faster and you are. Oh,
2: so play, we could do this as like a blue Tron deck with Paradox Engine.
1: I just don't think there's any reason that you wouldn't play the Tron lands, even if it was uh, almost trying to execute the exact same game plan. I think you I lose...
0: Mean, I... I think you actually do lose, because, like, especially if you're playing Urza's, so you need double blue. And... Right? Urza's blue, blue, two. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. it, you do lose double blue. And, like, you either have to cut cards for map, right, to be able to search for the Tron lands to try and get them. And then you all... Like, I think, like, Radiant Fountain Inventor's Fair, Buried Ruin, and Blast Zone are just more useful than like, then, like, luck-sacking into, into Tron. And, like, the best thing you're going to be able to do is, like, cast Paradox Engine on turn three, which you already can do in this deck pretty consistently.
1: I think if you're going up to eight copies of Stars and Spheres, your double blue is, like, not nearly something that you're as worried about. you sure, that, that because was, like to the smaller end. Gonna, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I hear what you're saying. It Definitely, you have to make room for 12. I don't think you play map or any way to search for them. I think they're incidental in your deck because I just think, like, big mana. And then I think probably more than likely. I mean, if you're fully committed to being a combo deck, uh, that's one thing. I would say maybe you make room for some um, thought not serious in this deck because I feel like it's an alternate way to just, like, have a combo but also disrupt their game plan and then have a backup way to win the game if your combo is not working. You just have a 4-4 that, like, gets a card out of their hand. Well,
0: That's in the extinction event slot, right? Like, extinction event is outclassed in modern. And so you get a ton of different options of like, what's your interaction spell and thought not Seer is like a great I will option. Say,
2: I will say that extinction event as a, as a P as a sweeper with a single pip is pretty nice.
1: Yeah, sure. it's yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Like it's, it's single black, so I can cast it off of a chromatic sphere or I can cast it off of just one, one watery grave. The, mm-hmm. the deck's actually only playing for clear water pathway, which a lot of times I have to play on blue. Cause like, it's my only blue source and I have way more blue cards. And then I'll be stuck with no black source and I have to use a chromatic sphere or something. And then four watery graves. So I just have eight black tapping lands. And a lot of the time, Pathway ends up being blue anyway.
0: Yeah, you also you also get access to, like, some additional good sideboard cards. You get, like, Pipping Needle, right? You get a oh, Ruins. Oh, yeah, the sideboard
2: gets way better. Well, well, so I'm playing sorcerer Spyglass. The, the sideboard card that I miss the most is Ensnaring Bridge. Sure. Right,
0: right, makes- right, right. <laughs>
2: I do not want to attack. And I would prefer if my opponent would also not attack. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you play most of the cards in your hand pretty quickly. So that makes sense. I oh, like yeah. That's...
2: I'm, like, empty-handed most of the time. Because what will happen is you'll play out all these, like, doofus artifacts that don't do anything. And you'll have, like, two Aether spell bombs and a Chromatic Sphere in play. And then I just kind of play like that for a little while. Because that way I'm, like, resilient to Thoughtseize. Because mm-hmm. if I just, like, start cracking everything immediately. Plus, like, you don't want to go too low on artifacts in play because it makes your emory more expensive if or it like makes it to your inventors fair you can't crack it so I just kind of leave them all in play for a while whenever I have extra mana or if I like need cards I'll just like crack one
0: buried ruins also good <laughs> the re- academy ruins replacing buried ruin is like an easy like without Oh yeah, you put a mind
2: slaver in their board and oh, you put a liquid board. metal coating that's to sick. do the like liquid metal blow up their lands thing yep,
0: yeah 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 um, that's actually that like that's a reason now to more talk towards liking tron lands is like stuff like Aca- academy ruins and um
2: yeah mind you need slaver. 10 mana you need 10 mana to mine like or 12 mana to mind slaver lock them 13 including the academy ruins but paradox engine makes it a lot easier because if you have paradox sure. engine in play you tap all your rocks for mind slaver, it untaps them you use that mana to pay for it yeah, yeah i feel yeah. like
1: I, I feel actually feel like if we're being honest here knowing modern i feel like we're trying to blend two decks and actually i think the reality is that if you're going to try to make this deck work in modern probably all that stuff that i was suggesting and, and any of like the, the additional combo that's just Chunky and clunky is probably actually not that good. You probably just want to make this lower to the ground, tighter, faster, more efficient in doing exactly what it's trying to do and just replace the slowest cards with the better versions. Yeah, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of cards in this
0: list that there's like a like a like a not a significant upgrade, but like an upgrade that does the exact same thing. Academy ruins the buried ruins any of the talismans to to Guardian
1: Idol. Um, I want to go heavier on blue and just put War of Invention in this deck, and honestly, like War of Invention probably pushes it way over the top.
2: So War of Invention is legal and historic. I actually like Karn the Great Crater better. Uh it is less clunky like it's not triple blue uh mm-hmm. it gets stuff out of your sideboard you can cast it with mystic forge which is pretty important because when you're like comboing karn is the card that you're casting to get aetherflux reservoir and win um okay. so i kind of like karn as a tutor better than were the one thing about were is if you wanted to be more interactive you'd be worrying instead so like the Wurza decks of old mm-hmm. yeah. um where people are playing like interactive spells archmage's charm and cryptic command and remand and whatever and then like You know, if you have mana, you can also were on the end of their turn, you like always passing with mana up, you could do something like that with this. But the deck that I'm playing is a pure combo deck, there actually is like a more controlling version that some people played at the Zendikar Rising Championship, some uh, Kai Buddha was playing it, Hmm. as well as some people on his team. Um, and and I'm not trying to snub them and be like, Kai's the best, but he's the one that Channel Fireball tweeted out his list. So I don't actually know who else is playing it, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's uh, other great players. But they're playing like a Sultai version of this that is much more controlling. They're not doing the Mystic Forge thing, so they're not as all in on the combo, but they're still playing for Emery, for Paradox Engine. Um, they're not playing all the Trinkety Artifacts, so no Buried Ruin, no Inventor's Fair, nothing like that. You're just trying to draw into it using, like, Uro, and they're playing Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, as a Wing Con that also draws you toward your combo. Right. Um, and then they're playing, like, two Fatal Push, three Tameo, Collector of tales, to find your combo pieces and get them back. Uh, three Uro as a backup wing Con, four Kinnon to like kind of turbocharge your mana production, and also uh, I guess it only digs for Uro. But
1: so I feel like if you look at this list and you ask yourself the question, and I think this is the same question that we would ask ourselves in the list we were just talking about before Alex in the last episode um, about the Urza about the uh, Gideon deck. It's like, what's the card in here that was printed that was like pushed in a really cool direction that makes the deck work? And obviously that in in that particular deck it's Gideon. In this deck, is it is it Paradox Engine, or is it? Um, I think it's Carn. Uh, no, I was gonna say the other, the blue. Emery, uh, you were gonna say Emery. Emery. I, I, think I was gonna say is it Emery or is it Paradox Engine? you think it's Carn? I think it's Carn. I mean, like, I, I think like. Paradox
0: Engine is the artifact combo that is cool with this that allows you to untap all these things and do that storm effect. So maybe it's Paradox Engine and that's like the engine of the deck. But Karn. So I
2: will say that this more controlling version that people were playing Zendikar Rising Championship uh, is not playing Karn. They are just a Paradox Engine Emery deck that is like in a mid range shell. Okay. And I think that's still strong. To me, and I that's think that's like card- what we would do in modern if we were playing like Urza and maybe Wurr and stuff like that is we would be more of this like mid-range shell instead of what I'm doing is like a pure combo where you're playing like, a, like you know,
1: yeah, yeah. like a card instead of Wurr and yeah. stuff. I think they printed lots and lots of powerful cards over the years, especially when you get up to the mana cost of something like a Paradox engine. It's a really cool card, but it's expensive and like you definitely have to you have to go for, like, a chunky strategy to make that work. It's not, like, aggressive, really. It's just, like, a very powerful card. There's lots of things that cost six or seven or eight that are powerful. But Emery is, like, specifically pushed so that, like, it's basically a one-mana card that repeatedly flashes something back, that, like, gets cheaper, that fuels itself by the mill. It's, like, a really pushed card. I feel like that card's the one when I look at it that I'm, like, it's a card like this that enables some crazy shenanigans like this, even in an aggressive format like Modern because... It, there's I, just there was nothing like this card before. Like there was nothing that could even do a, a small impression of it.
0: I, I, do like I that. agree with that. I do like all three of us have different answers. I also think it's interesting that like all three of these cards are bonkers. <laughs>
2: yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Paradox Engine and Emery are definitely doing the most heavy lifting here. And there could be a version of this deck that doesn't contain Karn, and probably one that doesn't contain Emery, but it'd be worse. But there is no version of this deck, at least in Historic, that doesn't contain Paradox Engine. Now in Modern, there is because there's plenty of other either like Emery, Urza, like kind of value decks. Maybe they have a combo, maybe they don't. And there's plenty of like Emery based combo decks as well. They're using Thopter Sword or Name Your Combo, right? right. right? Like the one that's available in Historic is Paradox Engine. So I, I think like Paradox Engine is the linchpin of this deck in Historic because there's like, it's the best Emery deck, I think. I think like if you want to play Emery in Historic, you probably should be playing Paradox Engine in your deck. But in modern, I would say that Emery is the linchpin card, and you don't need Paradox Engine. Yeah. You can you can you can pick your favorite combo, or just use her for value. She's just amazing. Um, and in like, it, it's kind of funny because Luris is also kind of a better Emery in a lot of ways, but yeah. not in this deck because in this deck, uh, drops. with Paradox Engine, you're <laughs> untapping her and like able to use her multiple times. And Luris, there's no way to cheat him like uh... that. I mean, I guess you can blink him.
1: Yeah, okay. was, yeah, oh, yeah is that yeah, true yeah. you can wait if you blink Luris, you get another instance yeah. that's why i yeah. played nobody's eye really navigator doing that uh... because
2: blink spells aren't very efficient but <laughs> I,
1: I like play dead eye navigator
0: in in cast decks, and it you lets you blink cast and then you get to do like a Snapcaster caster mage on your turn imitation and just keep repeating it it's sweet
2: Oh, I had no idea. But Luris being able to do his thing without summoning sickness is pretty busted. Also, he gets to start in the command zone for some reason.
0: (laughs) Well, not in this deck.
2: (laughs) No, 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 not in this deck. I just mean, like, it's funny that Emery... Emery is this card that everybody saw when it came out, and they're like, this is crazy. Why would they print this? And then, like what six months later they're yeah, like yeah, what about this <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's like that's the problem. It's in your with command having...
2: zone and it doesn't need summoning sickness and that that's the problem I'm having with
0: commander decks where like basically i now have just like eight different decks that are basically emery and or luros and or marin and or like it's all just like you get to cast a card out of your graveyard once a turn what's the cool thing you get to do with it and uh they're all really fun and i love playing that way <laughs> um you do take like 20 minute turns though which makes me feel like a bad person.
2: Oh, Um, yeah. So this deck in Historic, if you want to play it, obviously we'll be posting the list uh, around so that people can try it for themselves. Uh, But it's so much clicking and a little bit of full controlling because there is a trick with Mystic Forge uh, where you, if it's untapped, you cast the top card of your library, but you want a full control so you can see what the next card is before your Paradox Engine resolves. So then if it's a land, you can exile it. Then Paradox Engine resolves and untaps your Mystic Forge. Uh, so it's like tons of clicking and floating mana and like dirtling and oh god you
1: sounds like the kind of i would never want to play on stream because i would want to jump out of a window so
2: yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) disclaimer it's a little bit miserable to play but once you get used to it like i enjoy playing it and i play it for fun all the time and i'm not doing super well in the ladder because your goblins matchup and your blue white control matchup are not very good uh but everything else has been fine against. So uh, the extinction the, events help.
0: <laughs> the one the uh, this remi- the the full control thing reminded me that the one card that I might add to the Gideon list that we talked about last week, uh, or yesterday, or on this podcast, depending on how you're listening to this, is uh, some amount of discontinuities, um, mm. because you can use the your turn ending turn version to save yourself if like you just like have to go for it on the pact or the glorious end, or oh, just, yeah, yeah, and glorious yeah. ends at the end of your turn, right? So you can like. Glorious end them and then discontinuity on the end of your turn if you got them it's like not the best use of you're discarding two cards you don't get the value out of it but it like works like angels grace does and you can you know there are there are times where I'm like oh I glorious end here and I win or if I don't glorious end here I lose. But I don't have a way to not die on my turn. And you still go for it. And then sometimes you dig on your turn and you get Gideon and you're like, "Ah, I'm the champion. This is the best deck ever created. Um, So this would be like
2: the Angel's Grace slot, kind of like in Ben's modern version, where it's like, it's not plan A. But sometimes you just got to not die. die.
0: (laughs) Sometimes you cast a card that said you lose the game because they cast a card that basically said you lose the game. And this makes it It kind of unfortunate
2: that discontinuity is not very good with Pact. It's pretty much only good with yes. Glorious Ascent.
0: Yes. yes. Well, you just, you, you lose your turn. If you have to pack them, you gotta, you gotta How you much does discontinuity to... cost again? Costs it's four? two on your turn and six on their turn. Six oh, on their turn, you just two on make your the blues. Turn? Yeah, yeah. On their turn, you it's 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 an if you get to six mana, which this deck does, insane card.
2: Uh it is weirdly worded, Ben, which is probably why you thought it cost four, because instead of saying it costs one blue one and a blue to cast on your turn, it says it costs two blue blue less on your turn, which is kind of a weird template. And I would be interested to hear why they picked it. But
1: <laughs> I did not realize that. That's actually really sweet. That's like a really cool it's only two mana on your turn. Yeah. So actually, that works really well in the trick. So that was the oh, that was the piece of the deck. And I, this is last week's episode. So like we're well, well this is the yesterday sil- audio
0: only same episode. Don't we? we can yeah. okay, people okay, are gonna okay, have okay, to okay. deal with the world. Go watch. <laughs> this is all conversation. If you haven't, make sure to watch uh, the whole historic Jeskai episode we released yesterday. But if you're listening, the thing audio, I forgot
1: sorry. to mention with that deck mm-hmm. and the reason that deck was cool um, is that you're playing four trick bind. And the idea being you can play a Delver on turn one this is back when Delver was the creature you would flip your delver accidentally sometimes, and then you would trickbind to fetch land. and you got like a, you basically were getting like delver stifle, but you also have trick binds in your deck to stop you from losing your own packs. So it had that like really cool, that cool angle as well. And it never worked as well as, as I to. Delver.: Yeah, yeah, never quite had the angle that I wanted, but that was like the sometimes it would totally work, where you would play a Delver on turn one and then you would get to trick bind their land. And like, it was such a feel bad moment for them. And it was just amazing. Just play Shadow so, of Doubt. Go crazy. Yeah, I love me some
0: Shadow of Doubt. So. <laughs> uh, there's a <laughs> new card you can card play now too, right? Oh, no, that's in that's not in modern. It's um the black uh, stop fetch lands.
1: Oh, then oh, the, the, the opposition, 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 agent. opposition
0: agent. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to uh, know
1: I added a, I, I want you to know I added opposition agent into jury last night. Oh, just no, like, you just need that.
0: you need to actually cut it. Why? Uh, it's 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 unmanageable in uh, online. Play. Oh,
1: in online, it's like not fun because there's it just no... doesn't work.
2: I I don't have a way to you can't search another player's deck. <laughs> I
0: don't unless unless every single player has their deck list online already uploaded to a website, which I haven't done for most of the new decks I'm playing. It doesn't work. In fact, someone casted against us in that Ceh uh, list game. And they like, I like had the old list I had of the deck that I sent them. And the one card that they picked to search for was the card that I had not added yet (laughs) from from, like the update that someone did. So I like pretended that they got it. And I just like took a random card out of my deck that I think was real
1: was the card (laughs) that I cut, and I was like, (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully they don't call me on this
0: no uh, I feel like you
1: were like I feel like you were like you can't search for that card because it's in my hand but it wasn't actually in your hand is what you're saying no 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 that's
0: that that we've now had opposition agent <laughs> cast against us twice on in okay, Commander the game. other yeah, one, yeah, the yeah, other yeah. one? Gotcha, gotcha. um they they went and got the two three flyer that like lands enter play tapped, or and players can't oh, search yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that um the zendikar hate bird but um yeah but yeah, yeah I, I don't want to deal with that on stream. And I know there are guests that have said I will leave a game if someone casts Opposition Agent <laughs> against me on, on a live stream. And I'm like, yeah, I own one. I own, I opened one in my Commander box and I just can't play with it because I should go buy a box of Commander Legends.
1: It seems like a super sweet set. It's awesome.
0: It was really cool to open. You can do like also Sealed League things yeah, that leagues, people are doing, yeah. which are fun. Awesome. Um. So yeah, I think I think I mean, we're going to do two episodes this week I think versus every day, but I think that's fine. I think we're at we're at an hour unless we want to yeah. talk about jury and do one more deck tech, but we're already an hour and a half recording, so I think we're okay. No, I am cool. I'm, I'm, I'm
2: definitely Did I take too long? No, no, no. no. I we we're good. It,
0: I think we just both I think deck techs are a 30 minute activity, not a 50, 20 minute activity.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Yeah, I, I think like the guy. like how would you port this into modern takes up a good minutes per deck or whatever too, right? Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we're trying this, this, this whole, and, and, and to, to people listening, this is something I'd love feedback on. Uh, we're trying this new split the videos into multiple videos thing, right? We're seeing how this works. Just, uh, um, see if just like smaller bite-sized pieces of content are more fun for people and and so we'd love your feedback on if you like this type of thing. We've done it now for a couple of weeks um, and this week's gonna be a little different. It's gonna be two two different episodes but I think that'll be pretty cool and Marshall I think has like a backlog hot deck. He might be able to release or whatever um, but yeah, please please in the comments let us know what you think of the new release content. Thank you guys for joining today uh, as always. Thank you uh, listeners. Thank you patrons. You are the people that make this podcast happen. You make it work and uh, for those who Um, are just tuning in, make sure to check out the Patreon. There's cool stuff there. You can get the raw feed of the whole episode. It's a full recording. You get any weird arguments we have. Ben, like, uh, and, and me uh, like got in a small argument about it when I said modern or historic at one point. And we had to like scrub a whole section. You get that whole thing, uh, and then at the very it beginning, very there's a <laughs> whole... <laughs> excellent
2: value. You can get
0: the <laughs> the weird mistakes, but you do get a cool ten to uh, twenty minute uh, pre show that is like just us talking about something random today. We talked about NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, and we played a little quiz game on can you name all the all the different members. So definitely check out the Patreon. You get a Rafi there every week, and you get the episode a week early. So So we record Tuesday and then episodes start coming out the following Monday. The raw feed is up Wednesday, uh, the day after we record. So you get super early access plus plus extra content. So definitely check that out. Um, And then um, you can please follow us on all the things. Please subscribe. Please like. uh, Please follow us on Twitter.
1: Uh, I'm at Cass Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. I don't remember. Leave a comment below. Comment on the video. Let us know if you liked it. Michael, where can you find you? Uh,
2: I'm at Dunard on Twitter.
0: D-U-D-A-R-D-D. And then also, please, uh, every Monday, we're doing a live stream of Commander on YouTube and Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Wiley, which I'm Cass Wiley. K-E-S-S-W-Y-L-I-E. Everywhere on the internet, and uh, including Twitch. And so we do live streams there. And then uh, also on YouTube. So if you're a subscriber on YouTube, you can see it there every Monday, 7.30 PST, um, PM, not AM. We're not masochists uh and thank you guys so much for listening and watching and we will talk to y'all next week bye guys
1: this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future